Chapter 1 of St. Bonaventure's Life of Our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, by St. Bonaventure. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 1. The Angels Intercede for Man's Redemption. Mankind, having for the long and tedious space of more than five thousand years, continued in a miserable state of exile, not one of them being able to shake off the clog of original guilt and soar to his native country heaven the blessed choir of angelic spirits moved to compassion and concerned at the dreadful havoc sin had made among them as well as solicitous to see the numbers of their own heavenly legions again completed as soon as the fullness of time was come resolved to renew the instances they had often before made to the almighty for this end, presenting themselves before the awful throne of God, with redoubled earnestness and devotion, they jointly prostrated themselves at his feet, and made the following prayer. All merciful Lord, remember how you graciously vouchsafed from the inexhaustible fund of your goodness to create man out of nothing, and to raise him above all the works of your sublunary creation, by enriching him with the eminent gift of a rational soul capable of knowing you and this on purpose that he might become a partaker of our felicity and repair the loss we sustained by the fall of our reprobate brethren yet behold o gracious sovereign the whole species lies still involved in such woeful ruin that out of so great a number not one has been able to escape and arrive hither in the long space of many thousand years our enemies thence gather new matter of triumph when instead of seeing the vacant places of the fallen angels filled they behold hell continually crowded with innumerable victims to what end then are they created o lord why are the souls that confess to you delivered up a prey to beasts psalm seventy three we are not ignorant that this severity perfectly agrees with your divine justice yet be pleased o lord to remember that the time for showing your mercy is come if the first progenitors of the human race did unhappily transgress your law let your mercy now repair the injury in their wretched posterity be mindful that you created them to your own likeness. Extend then in pity, O God, your hand to them, and replenish them with your bounty. To this end, our eyes fixed on you as the eyes of servants on the hands of their masters. Psalm 122. Till you deign to have compassion on mankind, and save them by a plentiful redemption. The angel, having concluded this address, mercy and peace, supporting the petition in man's behalf, pathetically pleaded for his redemption with the Heavenly Father, while justice and truth seemed to make a vigorous opposition against it. Whence, for contemplation's sake, we may imagine a kind of ineffable debate to arise between them, as St. Bernard relates in a beautiful and ample manner. 
but in this i shall be as concise as the tenor of our subject will permit for though in this treatise i intend often to interweave his words with my own yet as our present purpose requires us to avoid tedious prolixity i shall differ partly in the manner of applying them to return then to our subject the sum of his discourse in the place above quoted is as follows mercy in the words of the royal prophet says will god reject man forever or hath the lord forgotten to show mercy psalm seventy six long and frequently importuned with these and such like solicitations thus at length the almighty may be supposed to have answered hold mercy before i acquiesce to your petitions it becomes me as an equitable judge to hear the allegations which justice and truth have to offer against them whereupon the two divine attributes being ready to the summons mercy thus resumes mankind o lord stand in need of thy commiseration for they are become wretched indeed even extremely wretched and the time for showing pity is more than come here truth interrupting the plea of mercy begins it is meet o lord that you fulfil your divine word let adam die and all his race with him since all in him impiously tasted the forbidden fruit wherefore then o lord replies mercy wherefore do i subsist if you forbear forever to commiserate there is an end of me this your truth must acknowledge yes rejoins truth but yet o eternal father if prevaricating man can elude your sentence what becomes of me can i as you have promised persist to eternity thus the divine pleaders continuing to support their suit against each other the eternal father at length remits the cause to his son before whom mercy and truth renewing their former pleas truth thus added i confess o lord that the zeal which mercy exerts in man's behalf is good and worthy all praise but does she therein act conformably to justice in persuading you rather to spare those prevaricators than me her sister attribute ah beloved truth replies mercy rather consider that your indignant rigour spares neither man nor me by refusing to commiserate him you involve me in his destruction me your sister mercy but truth unsoothed by all that mercy could offer still further urged you o lord are here made a party in this cause and therefore it highly behooves you not to suffer the word of your eternal father to be made void after this manner persisted the divine parties in opposing each other till at length all uniting peace with her heavenly voice interposing thus addressed them cease to dispute ye heavenly offspring of god contention ill suits such kindred virtues still the debate was important 
and the reasons on both sides so strong and powerful that no means appeared of reconciling mercy and truth in regard to mankind till the divine and royal judge gave to peace who stood the nearest to his awful throne the following ineffable decree to read whereas our eternal father's divine offspring truth and mercy have laid before us their opposite allegations concerning the salvation or perdition of our hapless creature man the former alleging that if the sentence of death passed upon adam should be reversed mercy herself must be involved in the destruction of adam our divine wisdom suggests us a medium to preserve both inviolable and uninjured let death then be made a desirable good that the apprehensions of all may be removed and their ends obtained no sooner was the divine decree pronounced than all applauding its wisdom silently consented that adam should die yet death be a means of saving mercy to him but hence a new difficulty arose how o unsearchable wisdom how shall death become a desirable good to man when the bare sound of it is sufficient to convey horror to the sense no answers the heavenly monarch that though the death of the wicked be superlatively wretched that of the righteous is inestimably precious and the sure entrance to eternal life let one then be sought out who though not by nature subject to death footnote death entered by sin End footnote. will voluntarily submit to it from a generous motive of disinterested charity such a one not liable to be detained in subjection by death will force a passage through it and lead captivity after him to a blessed state of freedom here all acquiesce with pleasure to the divine proposal yet where say they shall we be able to find such a one submissively however obsequious to the eternal word's decree without waiting a reply and paying due adoration to the almighty majesty both depart in search of him truth resolving to range the earth and mercy the wide dominions of heaven according to the words of the prophet thy mercy o lord is in heaven and thy truth even to the clouds psalm thirty five it encompasses the universe yet how vain alas their researches truth travelling round the world finds no one free from guilt not even the infant of a day old and mercy in vain seeks throughout heaven one who has charity equal to so great an undertaking alas all mankind are but inferior servants and the best of them must even when they act well say from st luke chapter seventeen that they are but unprofitable servants as none therefore could be found so abounding in charity as to lay down their life for such useless servants it was to no purpose for mercy and truth to seek any longer hence returning to the almighty's presence at the appointed time without the desired success peace with a benevolent countenance 
thus anticipates them ah heavenly sisters know you not or have you forgotten that there is not one on earth who does good no not even one or who in heaven or on earth but he whose wisdom gave you the ineffable advice you are endeavouring to follow can assist you to effect it on hearing this the all-wise monarch spoke it repents me that i made man yet as i have made him it becomes the immensity of my goodness to do satisfaction for him wherefore calling to him the angel gabriel go says he and tell the daughter of sion behold your king comes thus far from st bernard hence you may see of how dangerous and fatal consequence sin has been and still is and how great the difficulty of applying the remedy to it to this purpose however the above-mentioned attributes seem best to accord and unite in the person of god the son for on one side the person of the father bearing in appearance a terrible and powerful aspect might seemingly give cause of apprehension for peace and mercy on the other side the person of the holy ghost all bountiful and gracious might seemingly give no less room for apprehension to truth and justice so that the person of the son between both was wisely accepted as mediator in the important work this however must be understood not in a strict sense but in a mystical and borrowed one thus then was at length fulfilled that prophecy of the psalmist mercy and truth have met together justice and peace have kissed psalm eighty four this may suffice for a pious meditation on what we may devoutly conceive might probably pass in heaven relating to man's redemption End of chapter 1